Coming to you direct from our super secret studio. Hello, this is Washington for Beautiful People on Deep State Radio. I'm your host, Emily Brandwin at CIA Spy Girl on Twitter. And today it's a special day. We're broadcasting from the East Coast, and I am beyond thrilled to be joined by a very special guest. He's an actor, comedian, broadcaster, host on Series XM, one, Channel 121. It's John Fuglesang. Thank you so much for having me. Wait a minute. Was did I say your name right? Uh, m- mostly, you well, got, you got right. most of the spell syllables right. Let's do it right. Uh, you know, when I when I got into this business, I, I wanted to have the most unwieldy ethnic Germanic name to, to, to make um, it easier. You win. Uh, yeah, I said Schwarzenegger, Malkovich. No, that's too simple. I want something. Uh, Fugelsang. It's a Danish <sighs> term. Okay, because my big thing is also how was your intro? I always like to make sure you have a. Did you like it? I loved it. It was okay because we could quit right now while um, we're ahead. Sure, that's I mean, what most women do with me, so that'd be fine. Uh, okay, yeah. so then we're we're on a roll. Well, I was excited not only because I was on your show, but because my show is Washington for Beautiful People. It's kind of where Hollywood and politics meet, and I don't know if you noticed, but after 2016, some people got a little pissy. A little angry with what's going on in the world, so we have really a platform now where people can talk. I think about angry it. people is what caused 2016, but absolutely, it could be. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, remind me to tell you a Stephen Seagal story because today is his birthday. Yes. So I have a really good story that's super inappropriate. Okay. Um, <laughs> As opposed to all those in- integrity-based really... stories about Stephen Seagal. Okay, so it's Russia. his birthday. I'll just tell you the story real quick. So. Sure. A long time ago, it was his first movie. He was in St. Louis, where I grew up, and my mom was taking him around because she out, worked. Out, a... Was it uh, out, hard to kill? No, it was no, uh, above the law. Above the law. Okay, all of his films had three words in the title: hard. Uh, you know, hard out, out, kill. Out, for, out for justice, hard to kill. By the way, I'm impressed that we know his canon of work. Mm. That's impressive. Yeah. Well. You know, that's how we roll. Um, he, he he has actually managed to uh, age into looking like the bad guy in a Steven Seagal film. <laughs> he really has. He um see he was in town he was doing PR my mom was helping out with it and she'd always give me autographs because I was in St Louis and I was like ooh celebrities <laughs> um give me an and I was super super young at the time and so he said well tell me something about your daughter nobody knows and I'll make the you know I'll make the autograph really different and special for her. and she was trying to think of something she's like oh you know when she was little as a joke she goes she used to sleep with her tongue out of her mouth so his autograph to me was. Uh, your mother told me you sleep with your tongue in your mouth. I find it very erotic, and I'd like to see it sometime. Wow, what a great mixture of unclever and revolting. And I literally was like, oh, that's when I learned the phrase Silkwood Scrub. <laughs> so that was fun. Now, I have a question. For you, was politics always part of your DNA? Was it always something that you were passionate about? Because I feel like it's come into your world and that's who you are now as much as everything else that you do. Uh, sort of, but it was more like um, making my dad, connecting with my dad was something I was more passionate about. My dad was a history teacher. And so on the one hand, I, I came to it that way. You know, when I was uh, six and had my first communion, my dad, um, as a present, took me for a weekend trip, just the two of us, down to Washington, D.C., Took me to, you know, the Capitol and, and the Lincoln Memorial and the Jefferson Memorial and the, the National Zoo. Uh, I really wanted to go to the National Zoo. Um, and uh, along the way, he gave me flashcards of the presidents. And by the time I got back, I had memorized all the U.S. presidents. Me too. Really? 
We did it to a song. Oh, that's even better. Sorry. Keep no, going. not at all. What, what was the song? George Washington, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew like Jackson, yeah. Martin Van Buren. No, I know the lyrics. Yeah, it's a good beat. You can dance to it. Yeah, um, um, but my, my dad like gave me a copy, his copy of Malcolm X when I was in junior high. And, you know, my, my father was always, uh, when, when I was very little, you know, we were the most, we were the only liberal family on the block. Like I was the only kid whose parents voted against Reagan. And I was the only kid who had really? to go to church all the time for every holy day, every Sunday, um, grace at dinner. Like we were the most Christian family and the most liberal family, which at the time was confusing. As I've gotten older, I've realized, no, scripturally, that's that's accurate. That's so crazy. When I was a little kid, um, my, my dad pulled me out of bed late one night. Uh, and I thought he was being cool letting me watch Battlestar Galactica he had said you can't watch the premiere of Battlestar Galactica and I'm like Star Wars is my religion now dad okay like it's better than Christianity and he goes no you're going to bed and I said I'm going to stay in bed you're not going to let me watch the premiere all the other kids are going to get to stay up late and watch it I'm going to stay in bed awake just to spite you like 10 o'clock my dad comes into my bedroom and, I, and I'm like, why? He goes, come here. I want you to see something. Leads me down the hall. And I thought, oh, I'm I have a cool thing. He's going to let me see the end of it. Instead, it was Jimmy Carter on the late news. This is back when the news used to actually show things, not just sound bites. It was Jimmy Carter signing the Camp David Peace Accord with Israel and Egypt. My father couldn't believe that an American Christian president had brought peace to a, had helped bring peace to a corner of the Middle East. And he wanted his kid there to witness it. It was so special to him my mom was doing night school at the time, so he wanted to share it with someone. And my dad was a principal of a high school. Like, he was not the kind of guy to pull his kid out of bed late to watch TV. But for my father, seeing a Christian, a Muslim, and a Jew embracing in peace was everything that America and Christianity could and should be. And I didn't really understand much what was going on. Moshe Diane had an eye patch. I thought that was cool. I knew Jimmy Carter. Um, but I could see on my father's face the joy. At the time, it was the happiest I had ever seen my father. And that stayed with me. And so, you know, by the I, I was always into the news. And, and, you know, my parents would let me stay up late to watch the news with them. And so um, my I was into history and... As I got older, yeah, I was like the one kid at NYU who always had a newspaper in the dining hall. Was and it I'd be your reading dinner like, conversations? Uh, well, as we got older, it was, yeah. When we were younger, we didn't really talk about it too much. But once I once I was out of the house, we began talking about other stuff uh, a lot more. And, and that was great. I knew I had made my dad proud when I would be able to have debates down south with the southern relatives. We were half Brooklyn, half southern. And when I could debate politics with the southern relatives— and use the Bible and use history and use facts and never be mean. Like, I had to be, you know, progressive, but I also had to be really kind and, and Christian. Respectful. Yeah, and respectful. And when my dad died, you know, there were more Republicans than Democrats at his funeral um, because that was the guy he was. He would be the guy who'd go up to the priest after Mass and he'd get on the priest's case of, like, what is all the hell? What, what are you talking about hell and brimstone? What is that? Talk, what, you're not talking about love? Well, this is this is Jesus. Why are you talking about hell? That's not what he does. It's not he's not a brimstone kind of guy. And that was who he was. So that was a pretty powerful role model. And then in stand up, you know, I always did a lot of politics and I was doing Bill Maher when I was really young. I was debating Jerry Falwell and David Duke. You, you, I was about to say you debated David Duke. Yeah. I offered him hot gay sex if he would stop. 
What did he, did he, I'm saying he probably said no. He said no, and my parents didn't talk to me for a week. But yeah, I mean, David Duke was so vulgar and so offensive. By the end of it, it was so not funny. I just thought, I've got to be outrageous and make this like Jerry Springer. How did that affect you? I, I can't imagine being in a room with David Duke. Well, I, I truly, like, I truly, it was I, interesting because they, they, they called me. I was living in LA and they, they called me and asked me because no real celebrities would do it. Would I come on and debate politics and religion with them? And right away, I said, absolutely. I'll tear this guy apart. Who's more fun to hate than a hater? You're allowed to hate haters. Yeah. And also, he's the pinnacle of the haters. Like, yeah. a- well, what I realized was, um, and he, you know, like, he, we're waiting in the green room and they were all really worried about it. And he was late. And and he had said he would only come to Hollywood if they paid to fly him and his bodyguard first class both ways. Shut the fuck up. He shows up and the bodyguard is his uh, like five foot two Russian girlfriend. And they were furious because it's one thing to be a Holocaust denying white supremacist, Klansman, Nazi. Yeah. But now he was also a dick on top of that. And um, it, what I learned from it was, you know... It, uh, I don't know how much of it is that he's really a bigot and how much of it is that this is his job. Really? Yeah. Like, no doubt he's a bigot. Okay. Don't get me wrong. But, like, David Duke ultimately uh, went to jail for felony tax and mail fraud because he was embezzling the money his supporters sent him to finance his gambling addiction. So, <laughs> you know, like, like, how serious are you about fighting the mongrel hordes destroying the white race? He has all the talking points and he has these things he thinks are subtle. Americans are becoming a minority in their own country. He's... Things like that that are so awful and vulgar um, and, and just, you know, ahistorical. But really, at the end of the day, it's more like a religion and a movement because his job is to tell the congregation what they want to hear so they'll open up their pocketbooks and give him money. And that's what his job is. It's so, like a televangelist, but for hate. Well, like Mitt Romney. When Mitt yeah. Romney went for like homophobia, okay, and the end. And Mitt Romney's not a homophobe, but no. he did it to try to get elected. So what's worse, a bigot or a calculating non-bigot who uses bigotry to appeal to bigots and get votes? And I honestly don't know what's worse. That's like the most meta question ever because yeah. I'm like, they're both to me abhorrent. Yeah. So like, don't get me wrong. Like, but for me, if David Duke's goal is to, if he went to jail because he was ripping off racists, I say set him free and allow him to continue his fine work. <laughs> continue to rip off the racists. Yeah. Did you ever think he would have this resurgence where we would be talking about David Duke again? Like, I felt like David Duke like had his day. Now we're like, okay, we all know he's a dick. We, we We're done with David Duke. And then all of a sudden the election came. I'm like, what the fuck? Where did he come from? Why is he? Why? Why are we talking that name again? Why are we talking about Voldemort again? Well, you know, he ain't Voldemort. Voldemort no. had a plan. Um, but and he was better looking. It, honestly, I mean, if the American people hadn't been gaslit and suckered by a racist reality show, money laundering con Ox- man clown, I, I mean, like if- to call him an oxygen thief. Sure, but if it was Jeb Bush, we wouldn't be talking about David Duke. I mean, Trump put Duke back on the map. And the people who voted for Trump, who who knew he had stolen money from veterans with a scam online school, who knew that Barack Obama was born here and this guy just lied for years with this racist smear, and they don't see why it's racist. Uh, They're the ones, they're the reasons why David Duke is famous again. And and Spike Lee, of course, um, you know, put him in the movie. Did you, do you ever get any pushback from people in entertainment or because of your gig now it, because it's so ingrained on what you do 
Because I know when I talk to people in entertainment, sometimes they get the, yeah, some, I shouldn't tell my manager I'm doing your oh, show. Oh, yeah, that happens. That happens sometimes. And they're like, they, you know, I don't tell anybody I'm on. I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to be tweeting the fact that you're on my show. And they're like, yeah, no, it's okay. But they feel so compelled. They said, you know, I almost feel social. It feels like a responsibility. I can't hold my tongue anymore. Yeah, I got a lot of that from agents. You know, and, and managers, uh, my poor former manager who I love, who just be like, can't you just be a guy's guy? Can't you just talk about guy shit? And, you know, like, and I, I tried, I tried to be like a, a normal, you know, dude. I tried to be a dude, bro. Um, but like they, they, I saw an interview with Bob Dylan and they asked him like, why, why are you playing piano now? Why did you put down the guitar 15 years ago? Why have you only played piano for 15 years? And he said, well, cause no one else can play these songs on piano the way I can. And I kind of felt when my mom gave me permission to talk about my parents' past as members of the Catholic clergy, my mother was a nun and my father was a Franciscan brother. And growing up, we, we weren't, we, we were just encouraged not to talk about that. My mother got uncomfortable if we talked about it. My parents didn't want me telling people, oh, they were married to someone else before and it was the same guy. Um, but when my mom gave me permission finally to, to talk about her past, uh, it opened up a, a, a real thing in me um, in terms of uh, talking about Christianity as a comedian, but not from an atheism point of view, but but from a point of view of saying, let's say every word of the Bible is exact literal fact. Here is why the fundamentalists are still wrong. And Bill Maher had me on to debate like Jerry Falwell when uh, I was still in my twenties, and it, it I drove me. Can imagine as like, your twenties taking on that weight of a conversation. In my yeah. 20s, I wouldn't have been. I I wasn't able to. I was too. I I was too beset by outrage and anger, and I exactly. I was too much trying to get the slam dunk rather than actually expose this guy. I'm much better at it now, but I'm not really. I don't consider myself religious per se. I was going to ask you: Are you religious no, now? Or? No, I I mean, I Catholicism is my asexual orientation. But um, like, do you I, go to church? I haven't been to church since my mom died. Okay, uh, I would go. Um, I would go, but I have a kid and I, I, on the one hand, I don't have time. On the other hand, I also have had a lot of issues with the church since before these scandals erupted, um, with the treatment of women, treatment of gay people, uh, and the treatment of sexuality, none of which comes from Jesus, all of which comes from St. Paul and the hangups of dead guys who wore dresses. And so uh, the older I got, the the more I, I liked Jesus as a person and like Jody Foster, I'm not going to blame him for what his deranged followers do. Uh, but all the sex stuff that doesn't come from Jesus. And, and so as, as I got older, I was like, I wanted to talk about religion. I wanted to talk about hypocrisy, not from the atheist point of view, from the point of view of, Hey, I'll God's cool. Jesus is cool. Uh, you're a dick. Here's why. And, we're good with Jesus, but you. Yeah, and I just, I just, I. It was like Dylan. It's like there's no one else doing this. There's no one else that can do it the way I do it. Like, I would get booked on TV shows to talk about why you can't use the Bible to say homophobia is wrong because you can't. I mean, to say being gay is wrong because you can't. Homophobia is directly in opposition to the teachings of Jesus, uh, and and it sort of just kind of snowballed, and I, I kind of became like a go-to booking guy. Like healthcare, bring this guy on to debate the preacher, <laughs> stuff like that all the time. So it it sort of cast me into a bit of a corner. Um, but at the same time, I I can't even tell you, man. It, I have people come up to me on the road at shows who just say, you know, like I I had a woman in Minneapolis say I was able to baptize my children because of you. I'm How like, empowering well, is that? 
not at all, but it's humbling. I would think it's so, but it is empowering. I don't know that I wanted to baptize her kids because of me. I haven't baptized my own kid, you know? I just just felt like, um, they say the largest growing religious group in America are Mormons, but I I think it's... It's, It could be. I'm working at the CIA, it's predominantly Mormon. But I I think actually the largest growing group in the country are people who were raised religious and now consider themselves spiritual because they're turned off to the hypocrisy. That's... That's very similar to how I am. Yeah, people, you know, they 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 want to have a, f- a higher power. They think Jesus was a cool guy, whether he's real or not. Most people don't really care that much. I mean, if Jesus, if literal, if you're if you're out there arguing, liter- that the Bible is literal fact, you've already missed the point about the religion. You're done. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of truth in the Bible, not a lot of facts. It, so, like for me, it was just it, it was just well, no one else is talking about this, and if I can make a point. That says, hey, you can't be mean to gay people and call yourself a Christian and put a good dick joke on the end. Uh, I felt like that's better than just telling more jokes about beer and fucking. So, um, <laughs> Which are good jokes. Uh, hey, God bless. God bless. Yeah, for comedy or Supreme Court. It's Oh, oh please. Speaking of good Catholics. <laughs> Let's go hang out with Ski. But I, I will say I've, 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 uh, I will say that no one hates like a Christian who's been told their hate isn't Christian. Oh, and, uh, that's a good kind of hate. Um, yeah. You don't get that with Jews as much. I was trying to think with my peeps, you don't get that quite as much. But it's funny because I've become much more spiritual. I like the idea, and I think the idea is beautiful that there is something bigger and better. You're all, I think we're always going to have, and this is what I say to my atheist brothers and sisters, who I, you know, like, and I get asked to go on the show, will you debate an atheist? And I'm like, well, yeah, but I'm not going to say atheism's wrong. That's yeah. not, you know, faith means, faith is the opposite of certainty. I'm not here to argue that faith is certainty, that, yeah. that, that you know, but I, I always say to my atheist people, like, you're, even if you ended religion, you wouldn't end the spiritual yearning and the belief that we monkeys have that there's more to existence than just that which we can see and hear and smell and taste. Well, to me, that to me, it's that's hope to me. And especially now when I think there's so much of that that's lacking, I crave a little bit of that. And I crave the idea that there's something bigger, better beyond what we are. And also, I feel it's it's pretty myopic to think that this is all there is. I agree. There has to be something bigger and better. I agree. And so that that to me is very exciting. And I'm not to switch the topic, but I'm just not at all. This turns off everybody, by the way. I, like unless I'm in a comedy club doing it, like no, it's, this is it's hard to do because you talk about religion. Most people like I've been introduced as please welcome Christian comic, and like <laughs> no, don't head for the doors. No, it's not. No, no I'm going to say motherfucker. I'm not that kind of Christian comic. <laughs> and you just open with a bunch of bunch of fucks, and then they're like, okay, we're good. We're good. Let him say. All those late nights uh, at the Laugh Factory on Sunset taught me the the well placed motherfucker can save your set. He could save your set. All yeah. the Laugh Factory. All good times. Yeah. If you were to say something nice about one of the Trump kids, what would you say? Uh, You'd say something nice. Yeah, Tiffany's going to law school. Not Tiffany. I want one of the the bad three. I want oh. one of the evil seeds. And you can't say that Ivanka has good hair. I've already said that. I mean, it's possible that one day one of them may be an organ donor and save a life after no. they're gone. Something current. Um, I can't do it. I, I already no, do with I'm, hair. I'm not interested in doing it because I, I, like, I don't. I have no problem with privilege. I have a big problem with privilege with no appreciation of its own privilege. And they, and they are, they are their father's kids, and and Trump himself is that. I feel like they're irredeemable. No one's irredeemable. You, do you think that they can be redeemed? Yes, I do. Everyone's you think, redeemable. You think that that Don Jr. 
I'm betting my life on everyone being redeemable. I'm a sinner. I'm a fuck up. I yeah. yeah but you're we're all sinners and fuck ups. But that to me is a sinner and fuck up of extreme proportions. I don't think that they want to be redeemed. I, I don't think, think that Don Jr. would have to go through a world of hurt to find grace. He's okay. graceless. He's stupid. He's, he's mean. He's, he's he's incredibly ignorant. And and he's he's fucking like he, if Joffrey had a Joffrey, that's him. <laughs> it's like a Matryoshka doll, the Joffrey inside of the yeah, Joffrey. But yeah. I also feel like we use the word ignorant as an excuse because I think if we use the word ignorant, it gives us leeway to say somebody can do better. I disagree. I I say I use ignorant because stupid lets him off the hook. You don't think ignorant? Because when people say Trump is ignorant, I say no because that means you think that he knows better. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I think he knows the pain that he's inflicting. I know. Mm, yeah, I don't I think, think he, he has no empathy, but like I, I learned this with George W. Bush. Everyone said he's stupid. He's stupid. I'm like, he's excuse nuts. me, if he's you nuts. went to Andover, Harvard and Yale and still can't speak a sentence without a prompter, yeah. you're not stupid. You're ignorant. ignorant. And Donald Trump has more access to more privilege than 99.99% of humans that will ever live. And he's still that out of it he still doesn't know how apostrophes work he 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 ran he became president and did not know what the three branches of government were he still probably doesn't right but i'm saying that's ignorant and ignorance is worse than stupid ignorance is a is a willful stupidity when you have no excuse to be that to be that out of it that stupid just means you're you're congenitally uh uh, malformed (laughs) mentally and you just can't get your shit together donald trump could he chooses not to because he's fucking lazy and he's never had to before. But do you think he could? Like, I don't think that's even in his DNA. Like, I still, like, I, now I'm going to have to, like, go look in the dictionary for, because ignorance, I don't know if it's willful. I just truly. Don't get me wrong. I don't think any of these people will be redeemed. I don't okay. think they will have a desire to be redeemed. And I don't think they'll believe they need to be redeemed. He's he's the narcissist son. Like, they they think that they're just great. And their supporters think that they're just great. Because I'm on the right side and you're on the bad side. That, I, that to me is still so boggling to That's me. That's fundamentalism. That's why these Christians throw out everything Jesus ever fought for. You, here's my thing. You cannot follow Jesus and Trump at the same time. you got to pick one. Trump's not the Antichrist, but Christ is the anti-Trump. And I say this to all my Trump-loving Christians. I say, please tell me one specific actual teaching of Christ that Donald Trump campaigned on, or has fought for on a legislative level. Just one. Well, abortion. abortion. I say, uh, the Bible's not against abortion. God is the least pro-life character in the book. God gives abortion tips and mandates abortion if your wife is pregnant by another man in Book of Numbers. Jesus never mentions abortion. Jesus mentions the death penalty and is extremely against it. He overturns eye for an eye in the Sermon on the Mount. But I'm guessing you disagree with Jesus on that point. So give me another one because abortion doesn't count. That's the one that they're going to go to. Yeah. If God didn't like killing kids, we wouldn't have Passover. So I, I say, give me another one. And Which they I would have liked that because it's a shitty holiday for us. <laughs> Horrible, horrible holiday. Well, you eat shit food for a week. It's horrible. But but like I, they, there but is yes, there's nothing, nothing he's done that is of Christ. And the same goes to Pence, by the way. Oh, um, well, if, me, if we go Sermon on the Mount, the, the Matthew 25 parable of goats and sheep, like nothing these guys have done reflects any teachings of Christ. And I and I will have this debate with anyone. Do you feel as though we're doing a disservice when we when I think a lot of times the liberal media will will just paint Trump supporters in a just this broad stroke and they're all horrible they're all this because I, I fe- think it's the opposite I think the liberal media is bending over backwards 
pandering to these people, trying to get the Fox demographic. How many times can the New York Times do a front page piece on what a Trump supporters really think? I haven't heard anything about what Elizabeth Warren supporters really think. It's just what they they know that they're despised by people who haven't mastered that your your shit yet. I don't think they're all (laughs) one big monolith, but I will say the one thing all Donald Trump supporters have in common. There's one thing, and that is a penchant for authoritarianism. That's it. They're all fine with authoritarianism. They knew he lied about Obama. They didn't didn't care. care. They knew he stole money from Americans, including veterans with a scam online you. They didn't care. They knew he committed sexual assault. They didn't fucking care. So, uh, you you know, they didn't care. They just chose not to believe it. No, I think they didn't care. They hated Hillary Clinton more than they liked being a good person because it's funny we have I have a relative not blood and by the way and I have Trump supporters that I love who who I know are good people that's and that to me is why people always I maybe it's not media maybe it's just other people I I discuss with you know liberal friends they're in my circle and we'll talk like oh all this Trump supporters and I I have a very hard time with that because there's something endemic in our culture right now that is that's just in the blood and the DNA and I don't think it's I think we're doing a disservice by saying they're all this they're all this yeah I don't get to hate I don't get to hate people and you know like hate makes you stupid and I see so many liberals who fall into this of hating conservatives or even liberals who hate moderates and that's a special kind of like myopia like the liberals who hate centrists more than they hate oh we're gonna eat anything else yeah yeah like I'm like dude Bernie told us to vote for Hillary and said we must elect her and did 39 speeches for her. And you're yelling at me and not Bernie because I voted the way Bernie told me to vote? And I didn't do enough? Now, who are yeah. your picks for 2020? My pick for 2020... Who would it, you like? Um, who would you be a dream, like a dream ticket? I, I, I have a lot of uh, people on my show and I, I ask them all the same thing. Um, I, if I'm it asking has to be, the same question well, that you ask. If, if it has to be your 15th choice, are you going to be okay with it? My 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 yeah. first choice is the same as my fifteenth choice. Uh, if I don't care, I am. I've made a promise this time that because I'd never been wrong about the presidential election since I was a little kid, and the last time I was. So I don't care um, what they done. I'm not going to hate any of them. I'm not going to uh, uh, trash any of them. I'll go against policies and I'll speak out against things I think are dumb. I think Mayor Pete making fun of Beto is dumb. I, I don't do think too. it's good business. And I like Mayor Pete a lot. I like them all. Like, listen, if it's Amy Klobuchar, I'll be thrilled. If it's Bernie, I'll be thrilled. I don't care. Um, I, seriously, none of these people would pull us out of the Paris Climate Accord. None of these people would pull us out of the Iran nuclear deal when our own Pentagon keeps telling us Iran's complying. I mean, none of these people would manufacture a crisis at the border. These guys don't give a shit about illegal immigration. If they wanted it to end, they would start. They would start locking up the people who hire undocumented immigrants. Supply and demand. You got a wall, but a giant help wanted sign. They don't, they don't care. They don't give a shit. So uh, you know, I I think Warren has been spectacular on her policies. Um, I think Biden is a uh, uh, formidable because, besides from brand recognition, he is the uh, best fundraiser in the party. But I'm telling everybody now, you got to be prepared. If Bernie Sanders is your party's nominee, you got to be prepared to get behind and support him. By the way, off after the show, I'll show you a picture. My father-in-law literally is a doppelganger for Bernie Sanders, and it frightens me. But I'm like, how can we use this in like wag the dog situation? Nice. It'll be amazing. Bernie's done this show too. I've is done he, a few live events with him as well. How is he? You know, he's he's Bernie, but do you also it, it, it's honestly for me. It was like meeting Paul McCartney the first time I worked with Paul McCartney because you hang out and you talk and, oh, it's it's you and you're that person. And then you realize there's the other person behind this f- 
facade they wear where they've got to be a businessman. They've got to be an administrator. They've got to be a boss. They've got to have like the, okay, I can take my, you know how eventually Bruce Wayne realized, wait, no, Batman is who I really am. And Bruce Wayne is the alter ego that's fake. Uh, For a lot of these people, it's kind of the same thing. So um, I don't know what Bernie's really, I mean, I think his wife's very nice. And, you know, if we find out things about Bernie Sanders that are terrible, will it mean that I think he was wrong about healthcare policy? No. No. So, um, you know, I think uh, the irony is that they said Americans will never vote for a socialist Jew. I'm like, we celebrate the birthday of a socialist Jew every December 25th. That's why I don't think they're going to vote. I'm incredibly pessimistic. I do not think that this country will be progressive enough to vote for a Jew. I don't think we're going to vote for an a woman. An atheist Jew. An atheist Jew, which probably is even worse. No, it's going to be an old white guy. It's going to be a white guy. It's with a, a white It's dude. probably, if I had to bet money, it'll Biden, be Biden-Harris. Biden. Biden-Harris. That's what I think as well. And guess what? I will uh, not deny any of the things I don't like about those people, and I will be 100% supportive of those people. I will be a million, trillion. Has anyone ever start, been, have you been starstruck by anybody you've interviewed? Like yes. truly like yes. where you're grasping on the chair? Yes. I mean, besides me in this room at this moment. Who, oh, oh, oh. I um, know, now you have to think about it. Uh, yeah, I have. Who's, who's been like the ones where you were like, am I going to be able to get pulled through this one? Um, well, Brian Wilson. That's a good one. That was the most. That was the most. Uh, 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 I guess um, uh, uh, compelling and and and. Oh, is this going to work? We're going to be able to finish this. <laughs> um, and with Brian Wilson, I just I just was like, all right, I'm going to have four thousand questions, and if he only gives me like two two word answers, I will have the next one out right away. And it was just like playing ping pong with him the whole time. But like we we talked, and I I had a I just had so many questions. I had the questions ready to go. I thought if we can't have a conversation. And we couldn't, but uh, they had said, you know, I was interviewing him in the morning and they said, well, he got here early and he's only giving one word answers and he's in a bad mood and can you come early? And I I raced here and uh, he was sitting all alone in the studio taking a nap. They brought me in and I just began asking, you know, very simple questions, but I knew if I talked about stuff he cared about, he'd open up. If I talk about the Beach Boys, he'll, you know, pets, he'll be fine. But I asked him about working in the studio and Pro Tools. And production questions, and how's it changed? Because there's two Beach Boys. There's the album, the band, the album Beach Boys, which we all love, and then there's Mike Love at the State Fair at the touring Beach Boys. So I just wanted to talk about what you do in studio and your wizardry and how it's evolved and helped you and made it, you know, and that got him. Like crack the code. Yeah. Finally, at one point, I asked if he believed in God, and he said, uh, "Music is God, and the keyboard is my church." And I just thought, we got our fucking soundbite. We're done here. We're done. But if you know if you know what they if like if you know what they'll want to talk about, then then that's half the battle. Like Shatner came in, and I knew uh, I just and I you know it's Shatner. I don't remember him not being in my life. So I was like, all right, he's directed one movie in his life, Star Trek Five. It's probably the worst Star Trek film, definitely the worst reviewed Star Trek film, by far. And so I just said, you know, of all the start of all the movies that deserve a director's cut. Um, considering what we can do with CGI now, I wish Paramount would just give you a budget and let you re-edit that film and put in new effects. I mean, would that? Well, Shatner went there and he couldn't believe it, and he began telling me everything that went wrong from the strike. Uh, they didn't have real special effects and the stunt people, and how it was such a disaster for him. And he was so happy that someone brought it up. You know that I mean. And I learned this at my first big interview, my worst interview I ever did with George Harrison, when I was so nervous. Um, and then I, uh, but I learned, I realized like in my earpiece, they were saying, ask about Lennon, ask about the Beatles. And I knew if I did that, he'd leave. Do you just feel it in your gut? 
yeah, he hated talking about the Beatles. So I asked about God. I asked about meditation. What happens when you die? And I did it in the context of why won't you tour, George? Like, don't you get that buzz from from playing live? Oh no, from meditating, you know. And um, he was there with Ravi Shankar, and he he stayed for four hours talking, and they just kept the cameras rolling, and like. He was diagnosed two months later. We gave him a guitar and he played four uh. songs and it was his last public appearance. And I was a terrible interviewer. Um, but I, I think it was because I was so raw that he stayed. I knew every B-side he'd ever done. I was a Harrison freak. And also I think it's because I just I just knew if I talked about what he cared about. And no one ever asked George Harrison about God or uh. meditation or Krishna. No one talked about that stuff with him. So he was happy to go deep. And VH1 cut all of it out. It was a 30-minute special. They aired none of it. Are you serious? Yeah, none of it. Who cares about that stuff? Do you have a copy? Well, Did you ever get the tape? Here's what happened. Two months later, he's diagnosed. And then a couple years later, people forget that he, he lived for like four years after his diagnosis. And I was in Montreal doing the festival, the comedy festival. And they, they called me up and said from New York and said, hey, uh, George isn't doing well. We're recutting the special. Will you come down and, and do some raps for it? And I thought, well, that's ghoulish, but of course... And so I did some host raps talking about the day. And then the day he died, they aired it around the clock on VH1 Classic. And what you saw was George Harrison and this 26-year-old kid talking about God and what happens when you die and the soul. And stuff they never could have aired before. But once he was gone, they saw fit to air it. And to this day, I'll have guys walk up to me and say that that was like the first like serious spiritual thing they saw in popular cable TV so it, it, at the time it was a terrible memory because I was such a bad interviewer and then years later it became a nice memory who's on your list now that you're like I that's my white whale that's 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 who I want to get oh to interview yeah I don't know it's more who I want to work with an interview but I mean I, I have... mean Bob Dylan of course it's Bob okay Dylan. I was just wondering because like yeah. I have people I'll never get to interview but I have who will you never get to interview Stephen Sondheim you can get Stephen Sondheim I don't think he's not gonna want to come on my my oh, pod. he came to see us live in Chicago at, at, on the Sexy Liberal Tour. He came Did, to be in the audience. You are you serious? Son- yes, you can get Sondheim. And Patty Lapone is my other. Patty Lapone's done our show here. <gasps> Patty Lapone is on my list. Like you know your list. You can get Patty Lapone. She she and Mamie. If they'll Tinkin. talk to me, they'll talk to you. I don't know. You people know who you are. People don't know who I am. The, the people know who you are. I'm like the funny like spy person. Who, but you have the credibility that makes these people realize. Oh, I, I can talk know. about politics and not be like seen as a fucking muppet. I think if Patty, well, and also she's the best sound bites about Trump. I think if I got she's to, great. She's amazing. And no, I think, she did our show the first few months we were on the air, and she couldn't have been more warm. I mean, she she'll suss you out. Patty Lapone will know if you're an idiot right away, and what, if you're an idiot, she'll suffer you, but she'll let you know you're an idiot. If you're not an idiot, she'll be wonderful. Was she amazing? So did she? I think she's so bored of stupid people. I think she is too. She doesn't suffer fools. Yeah. I mean, I've literally read her autobiography maybe seven times. Um, I mean, when I when I took this gig and they said, "Give us your list of your your top your top uh, five. and I'm like, "You're not going to give me my top five. And they said, "Well, give Sirius XM." They were great. They were like, "Just give us a list of your top five. and I said, "You'll never give me my top five. Who are your top five? Well, Bob Dylan, Leonard okay. Cohen, Dick Cheney. Did you ever get Dick Cheney? George W. Bush? No. I wonder if you could get you could probably get Bush now. I'd love to get Bush now, but my, I would I could never get Bush. Bush is the happiest guy in the world. By the way, if this conversation Bush is more lucky than Ron Jeremy and Ringo Starr combined. Seriously, Bush he, is the worst president of our lifetimes, and everyone's forgotten that because we have a horrible douchebag president who's still on paper not as bad as Bush. I'm nostalgic for Bush. No, you're not. I he a was little awful bit, under Bush. He what? I, he asked a girlfriend of mine out when he was in his twenties, and my girlfriend said no. But she said no, he was in Alaska because she he asked her out and was chewing and spit and missed the trash can and hit the wall. 
And I was wow. like, that's why you didn't go out with him? She goes, no, he was also just kind of like a dick, so I didn't go out with him. But I was like, that <laughs> is a good memory. Uh, I, yeah, I get in trouble for this, but I think, you know, as bad as Trump is, he's still got to have a crashed housing market, a crashed global economy, and 5,000 dead soldiers and a million dead Iraqis <sighs> before he's in the same stadium as Bush. I'm sorry. Okay. I, it, fair enough. The worst thing Trump did was make Bush look good, and the worst thing Bush did was make his dad look good. Uh, nice guy. His dad was lovely. Nice. They At the CIA, when they named it after Bush, it was like the Beatles were coming, because 41 came, and they were like, oh, we're going to name it after you. And all the old women who had been there with him were like throwing their panties around. They were so excited. Yeah, it, was, on, it was a little creepy. Yeah, I'm not a fan of senior, I'm afraid. Uh, but, again, but again, Bush senior... Looks like Obi-Wan meets our Aristotle compared to what we have now. Um, I know you don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to ask a couple more questions. Please. Um, so you also interviewed Valerie Plame. How was that? Oh, great. She came on stage with us uh, in Santa Fe with her husband. And um, she was on my TV show, and she's on the radio show a couple of times. She's I think running. She's, she's running, and I think she. I hope she gets elected. She's dynamite. She's. It, it's interesting. I'm curious how she's going to talk about her little Twitter kerfuffle that she had and mm-hmm. coming back. So I'm. I'm very interested. She was my boss for a very brief period of time. I have a lot of respect for her and her husband, and I they're, do they're too. also they've been very nice people. I love hearing that. And Carl Reiner is my other one that. Yeah. When I, well, I, I was doing this pop culture show 10 years ago in L.A. and they said, give us your dream, your three dream <sighs> guests. And I said, Carl Reiner, uh, Don Rickles and George Carlin. And um, and they got me Carl Reiner and he was wonderful. And then in the, in the years since I've become friends with, with Rob. So then last year we went out to, two years ago, we went out to L.A. and uh, we interviewed Carl and in his house and Mel Brooks came. In the middle I of it and joined us. Legitimately pass out. Mel Brooks was my com that's I learned comedy as a young Jewish girl, of course, watching Mel Brooks movies. You should pursue Mel Brooks. He would talk to you. He's ninety two years of power and strength and brilliance. I I saw him once on an airplane and I because now in LA you see everybody famous and Yeah, I, I saw Mel Brooks at a, a Golden Globe Awards party and I couldn't even approach him. That's what it does to me. It's how people would see Beyonce and freak out. That's how I'd be with Mel Brooks. I believe. I get it. I got a few people I'd be like that with. I mean, Daniel Day Lewis. You know, I would be like that with as well. Um, But uh, but yeah, Michelle Obama. I asked. I asked for. Like, I gave him a real dream list. Patty Smith, Leonard Cohen. I think was number two on my list. That's a good list. Yeah. I mean, I don't really want to interview Bob Dylan because I say that, but you know, I mean, of course I do. But Bob's not gonna. Bob's not gonna give you what you want. Bob's gonna do what Bob wants that day. And I, I. would be amazing, but I, I think I know how I could interview Bob. I think I know where I would go with him. Okay, it would be again God and old music, um, and and then I mean, if you look at his interviews, you can tell what he cares about. Do you think Patty would give me what I wanted? Patty Smith? Uh, no, Patty. Patty Lapone? My God! Sorry, I just meant um, yeah, she, Patty Lapone. I mean, Patty Lapone's great. Just try and get would her. She give me? Do you think like I, I? I don't know. You're a spy. Yes. Okay. You have a, you have I know. A, you have I, a cool resume. I think I would legitimately have no. I'd have no swag after that. I mean, like I wouldn't know what to do. Right. When I was young, I used to dress up as her and like stand on my kitchen table and sing "Don't Cry for Me, Argentina," which wow. is yeah, I had a legit fan. That was, she was Harrison Ford's sister in Witness. You know that? She's in like three scenes seriously? in that movie. Yeah. I love Patty Lapone. Seriously? She's Harrison Ford's sister in Witness, who he hides the Amish family with for the first couple of days. Yeah. How did I not know this? And I consider myself a fan. Yeah, she's very funny in it. Of course she is. Do you get, I'm going to wrap this up because I know you do have to go. I have a question. Do you get a lot of uh, trolls? Do you get a lot of like on Twitter? Like how bad is it for you? I mean, you, I I'm just curious because I, I would assume that you, I get a lot like, of Like I want to say it's bad because it happens 
multiple times a day, but it's not bad like Daisy Ridley, Kelly Marie Tran, racist and sexist hate Star Wars now, so they drive the female stars off of social media. Okay. Like what was done to Kelly Marie Tran and, and Daisy Ridley was, was unconscionable. So it's like, I, I wish I'd had Twitter before I had junior high school because Twitter <laughs> taught me how to laugh it off, shake it off, and deal with bullies. Do you... Do you clap back or do you just ignore it? I only respond if I can do something in a way that will be entertaining and maybe uh, inspiring for followers. I'll I'll retweet if someone's really, really mean and stupid. Like Generally, I have, I just avoid it because okay. you don't even know if they're people half the time. They're bots or, you know, the I hope that they're troll bots farms. most of the time. But I'll, but I'll retweet something with a comment if I can make, a, uh, make it entertaining or if I can show an efficient way to knock down a talking point or something. John? Thank you for coming on my show. Oh, sure. This was so delightful. We have, to have your trolls get together with my trolls. I would love to. We have a little troll party. It was a pleasure having music. you on our SiriusXM show. Um, I can't. I had such a blast. It was so much fun. Thanks. Um, um, can I invite myself back on? Anytime. We do the show uh, out of L.A. Uh, usually like once a month or so. And I'm coming back next month. So Okay. Um, Jorge, I, Jorge Olivares, hey. who everyone should follow on Twitter. Jorge Olivares is the EP Amazing. of the show. He's the and, if you want, I'd be saying that even if he wasn't here right now, looming over really? us like doom. Okay, yes. okay, because um, just want to make sure and give you the proper shout out. And if you like this podcast, which I'm sure you do, because John's amazing, um, go to Deep State Radio Network, and you can support all the work. You can become a member. If you're a member, you get early access to all the. Cool and if it stuff. offended you, come at me on Twitter, bro. Come at me. Come at him and tweet the shit out of him, and then I get to see all this fun witty clapbacks but join and you can follow john on twitter are you on instagram too john i am but i don't have an instagram game because honestly no one cares about my coffee beverage or what i had for lunch so i i'm i'm at a loss me but. too insta is hard i do i'm doing it now but i'm much more verbal than i am for pictures but you can follow john on twitter you can follow deep state radio network on facebook and twitter you can follow me at cia spy girl as well and thank you so so much i appreciate it it's a real so thank, thank you very you much, so much thank you bye Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.